going to be reading from 1 Samuel chapter 21 all the way to chapter 22, verse 2. And that's on page 451 in the Pew Bible. David went to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest. Ahimelech trembled when he met him and asked, Why are you alone? Why is no one with you? David answered Ahimelech the priest, The king sent me on a mission and said to me, No one is to know anything about the mission I am sending you on. As for my men, I have told them to meet me at a certain place. Now then, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever you can find. But the priest answered David, I don't have any ordinary bread on hand. However, there is some consecrated bread here, provided the men have kept themselves from women. David replied, Indeed, women have been kept from us, as usual whenever I set out. The men's bodies are holy, even on missions that are not holy. How much more so today? So the priests gave him the consecrated bread, since there was no bread there except the bread of the presence that had been removed from before the Lord and replaced by hot bread on the day it was taken away. Now one of Saul's servants was there that day, detained before the Lord. He was Doeg the Edomite, Saul's chief shepherd. David asked Ahimelech, Don't you have a spear or sword here? I haven't brought my sword or any other weapon, because the king's mission was urgent. The priest replied, The sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Eli, is here. It is wrapped in a cloth and behind the ephod. If you want it, take it. There is no sword here but that one. David said, There is none like it. Give it to me. That day, David fled from Saul and went to Achish, king of Gath. But the servants of Achish said to him, Isn't this David, the king of the land? Isn't he the one they sing about in their dances? Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, king of Gath. So he pretended to be insane in their presence. And while he was in their hands, he acted like a madman, making marks on the doors of the gate and letting saliva run down his beard. Akish said to his servants, Look at the man. He is insane. Why bring him to me? Am I so short of madman that you have to bring this fellow here to carry on like this in front of me? Must this man come into my house? David left Garth and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him, and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. Thanks, Tash. Uh, Please keep your Bibles open to uh, 1 Samuel 21. Uh, It's on page 451 if you've accidentally closed your Bibles. And uh, please remember there'll be a time for questions after the talk. Uh, Well, before we get into uh, this part of God's Word, you please join me as I pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've given us your Word so that we can know how we can live our lives your way, especially in a world that's hard and difficult. Please help me to speak your Word clearly this morning. And we pray that you'll grow us in our trust of the ultimate refuge in Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As a kid, I used to be scared. When I was 10, I was invited to a birthday party out at Luna Park. 
Uh, and at Luna Park, they've got these really tall, slippery dips uh, in Coney Island. And you need a mat to slide down them. I'm just curious, hands up if you've ever been on one of these slippery dips at Luna Park. Oh, there's quite a fair few. I would say it's over 70%. Thanks. Put your hands down. Now, please remember, I was 10. And as I was getting my mat, and I look how tall those slippery dips are, I got scared. All of my friends were going up, so I also made my way up there. But when I got to the top, I just froze. And I made the decision. I'm not going to go through with this. I'm going to get off this thing. And so with my mat in hand, I made my way down those steps, you know, squeezing past through uh, the people coming up. And my friends asked me afterwards, Dal, why didn't you go down the slippery dip? And I remember lying and said, I'm having an allergic reaction to the mat. <laughs> Fear. It's something that I reckon we all face in one way or another. Now, not only when it comes to heights or going to the dentist, but I reckon for all of us, there are times when we face hardships in life and we get scared. It could be when you lose your job. It could be when a relationship goes wrong. Or it could be when you're given a hard time for being a Christian. How do you react when fear strikes? Well, what we see this morning is that when we're faced with those threatening circumstances, we need to remember that as Christians, we have Jesus, who's the ultimate refuge that we can shelter in. Uh, this morning we're going to see three things. We're going to see firstly uh, David who's on the run in chapter 21. Then David the refuge for others in chapter 22. And then how Jesus is the refuge for us. Uh, but before we launch into our passage this morning, let me get you up to speed where we're up to in 1 Samuel. So we're in the period in Israel's history where Saul is king. Now, Saul is the king that the people wanted. But we've seen so far that Saul continues to disobey God, continues to do things his own way. And because of this, God has chosen a king for himself, and he chooses David. And from that humongous victory that David had in overslaying Goliath, everyone's recognizing that David is the one to follow. Everyone except Saul. And because of that, Saul is determined to kill David. And so our passage opens with David on the run. And so, in verse 1, David has fled to the city of Nob. And he goes to the priest called Ahimelech, as David is seeking food as well as a weapon. And Ahimelech, ah, come on, let me show you. There we go. Ahimelech ends up giving David the holy bread used only for priests, as well as Goliath's swords. And as we read in verse 7, while all of this is happening, I don't know if you can notice in the picture as well, and you can see it in the text, 
there's a guy lurking in the shadows, almost unnoticed. And he is Doeg, the Edomite, Saul's chief shepherd. Now, the Edomites, they were the historical enemies of Israel. So if we were Israelite reading this, we're meant to find it disturbing that an Edomite is a servant of Saul. Uh, We're going to see Doeg on a little bit later on in in the narrative. And I'll give you a heads up. We're not going to like what we see. But for now, Doeg, he's in the shadows and observing everything that's going on. Now, what happens next in uh, verse 10 is that David flees uh, to the Philistine city of Gath. Now, we have to realize that David, at this point, is really scared of Saul. He's so desperate that he goes to the last place that Saul will find him, which is the home base of their arch enemy. Now, David, in the text, we see he's, he's trying to keep a low profile, but his plan fails as so many Philistines recognize him. And in verse 12, it tells us that David's fears step up a notch, as he's now very afraid of Archish, the king of Gath. Now, David composed two psalms as he reflects on his time here in Gath. Uh, the first one is Psalm 34, and the second one is Psalm 56. And that's the one we're going to look at right now. So please keep a finger or pen in 1 Samuel. Turn with me to Psalm 56. It's on page 892 in your Blue Church Bibles. So that's page 892 in the Blue Church Bibles, Psalm 56. Now, as you turn there, we know that that David wrote this psalm in Gath because of that little subtitle that's in the the psalm, uh, that little bit that's in italics. Uh, Let me read the first four verses of this psalm as it paints what's going through David's mind at this time when he's in Gath. So verse 1 says this, Be merciful to me, my God, for my enemies are in hot pursuit. All day long they press their attack. My adversaries pursue me all day long. In their pride, many are attacking me. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust and am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? So as you can see, David is overwhelmed with fear here at the beginning. Not only because of Saul and his army, but because he's in the heart of Philistine territory and the Philistines have him in their clutches. Now there are various responses that you can have to fear. You can crumble under it and give up. Or you can try to overcome it yourself. But did you notice what David did? Uh, Please have another look at verses 3 and 4 of Psalm 56. He trusted in God. And when he trusted in God, he was 
no longer afraid. Now we have to remember that David, he is the Christ, the anointed one of God, God's Messiah. And this hostility that we see facing David is actually a shadow of the hostility that was faced by God's ultimate anointed one, Jesus. In other words, as the opposition grew against Jesus, well, Jesus is experiencing what David's experiencing here. Except what Jesus went through was a thousand times more intense. You see, that suffering that Jesus experienced started in the Garden of Gethsemane. Where Jesus was so scared about what he was what's going about to happen to him, the Bible tells us he sweated drops of blood. But just like David on that day in Gath, Jesus puts his trust in his heavenly Father. And that's why he was able to get through the immense suffering that he went through when he was crucified on the cross for us. But please, turn back with me. 1 Samuel 21, that's page 451. Let's get back to the action, because what happens next for David is nothing short of remarkable. As David puts on this crazy act before the Philistines. Now we see in verse 13, in chapter 21 of 1 Samuel, David is slobbering hysterically. He's scratching the doors with his nails. David is putting on the performance of his life here. And amazingly, it works. Akish, the king, king, he can't believe that this dribbling, scraping lunatic is a threat to him. And he wants David out of his sight. But interestingly... The joke's actually on Arkish. Uh, verse 15, please check it out with me. Arkish says, Am I so short of madmen that you have to bring this fellow here to carry on like this in front of me? In other words, Arkish is saying, Hey, I'm already surrounded by idiots. I don't need another one. But the thing is, Arkish's number one enemy gets to escape his grasp by just a bit of dribbling and a bit of scratching, it actually shows who the real idiot is. But while David's cunning is spectacular, and while the Philistines are so stupid, that's not the ultimate explanation of why David got out alive. If we look back to Psalm 56, David prays to God at the end. And let me show you what David says at the end of the psalm. He says this, verse 13. For you have delivered me from death and my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. You see, David knows it's God who delivered him on that day. And so David is confident that God is worth trusting in. And in Psalm 34, the other psalm that David wrote during his time in Gath, 
David says this in verse 8. Verse 8 says of Psalm 34, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. As David experienced refuge, the refuge that he had with God, well, from Psalm 34, he calls everyone to take refuge in God as well. And that brings us to chapter 22, and where we actually see other people taking up David's call for God to be their refuge, and they join David and find refuge in God through David. And so in chapter 22, David moves from Gath to the cave of Adullam. And that's a picture of the actual cave there. Please check out verse 2 of chapter 22 and have a look at who joins David. And we're now on page 452. Verse 2, chapter 22 says this. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him. And he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. So this cave that David was hiding in, it's now getting pretty crowded as the, the broken, the downtrodden, the ones who are discontent with Saul's kingdom have now joined David. You see, the, the reality of throwing your lot in with David meant you're abandoning any hope of benefiting from Saul. That you've given up being part of that world where Saul is king. And what does this world look like, the world of Saul? Well, the rest of chapter 2 actually shows us that what the life looks like under Saul. And it's not good. Because in Saul, we see a guy who was and is also fearful. The son who's let that fear consume him. To the point where, well, unlike David, Saul misplaces his trust. And as a result, what we see is Saul becomes paranoid and deluded. Uh, please have a look at verse 8 of chapter 22. And we see him lashing out at his officials. Verse 8, he says, Is that why you have all conspired against me? No one tells me when my son makes a covenant with the son of Jesse. None of you is concerned about me or tells me that my son has incited my servant to lie in wait for me as he does today. Saul's paranoia actually prevents him seeing reality clearly. Now, he thinks everyone's against him. But in actual fact, no one is conspiring against him. But then that guy that we saw in chapter 21, Doeg, the Edomite, he re-enters the scene. And he tells Saul that he saw David back in the city of Nob. And so Saul makes his way to Nob. And when Saul gets there, Saul says to the priest, the priest Ahimelech, in verse 13, Hey, why are you helping David to kill me? And Ahimelech responds, basically, and says, David's not trying to kill you. He's one of your most loyal subjects. And when Saul hears that, he just loses it. 
And look what he says in verse 16 of chapter 22. He says, You will surely die, Ahimelech, you and your whole family. And with that, Saul orders his guards to carry out his command to kill all the priests. But if we kept on reading, we see that the guards, they're not willing to do it. You see, they're actually beginning to be like the guys back in that cave. They can see that, hey, I, th- I think Saul's losing it. I think he's losing the plot. But then again, Doeg is there. And Saul asks him to kill the priests. And Doeg doesn't hesitate. And so what we see is in verse 18, Doeg kills 85 priests that day. And he doesn't stop there. Doeg massacres the whole town, including the women, the children, even the cattle. So what we see here, Saul's fears, his misplaced trust, has driven him to be a bloodthirsty, paranoid tyrant who has totally lost perspective on everything. Now, in the midst of this whole atrocity, one priest escapes, and it's Abathar. And he manages to find David in the cave. Please look at verse 23. And please notice what David says to Abathar in verse 23. He says to Abathar, stay with me. Don't be afraid. The man who wants to kill you is trying to kill me too. You will be safe with me. So again, like the men who's already in that cave in Adalim, here's another person who's distressed, who's downtrodden, who's in need of saving. And he finds refuge in David. You know, we're like those guys who found refuge in David. We too are people who are broken and distressed, and we can find refuge in David's greatest descendant, God's ultimate anointed one, who is Jesus. You see, Jesus is opening his arms to everyone who's discontent with what this world has to offer in terms of meaning. He's opening his arms to all those who are distressed with life as it is right now. Are you someone who's distressed, who's discontent with the world right now? Well, you know that our world is not what it should be with all its disappointment and its brokenness. If you're here today and you haven't put your trust in Jesus yet, then please consider accepting Jesus' offer of refuge and put your trust in him. Because it's entrusting the ultimate refuge that you're able to be rescued from the life of discontent and fear. To live the good life. The life that you're meant to live. As well as have life that's beyond this one. 
that's something that you want to find out more about, please make sure you chat to myself or Peter M. or Carmen over morning tea this morning. Now, if you're here and you are trusting in Jesus, then it's important to keep on trusting in Jesus in all aspects of our lives, especially when we face circumstances that cause us to fear. So when we get worried about those circumstances that are outside our control, whether we get horrible news from the doctor, whether we have a crisis at work, or that unexpected situation happens that disrupts everything in your life, it's in those times that we need to remember who our refuge is and that we need to keep trusting in him. Now, I reckon it's so easy for us, especially people who live in the inner West, where people who are generally really competent. And our problem can be that when we're faced with our fears, we push ourselves to be the solution. And we can rely on our competence so much that we actually become like Saul, where we misplace our trust and we don't find refuge in God. And in the end, more like Saul, our fears will get the better of us. I know that's something I keep on doing. And it's only when I hit rock bottom, it's only then that I look to God for help. And I could have saved so much heartache, could have spared myself and the people around me so much stress and angst. Things would always be different if I relied on God at the beginning and do the things that I need to do, but to do it in His strength and trust the outcome to Him. And it's when I trust God like that, that's when my fear will be replaced with peace, peace with God, knowing that everything's in His hands. That is what it looks like to take refuge in God. Now the thing is, we're living at a time where people around us have been more hostile than ever about Christianity. Especially with our society's response to Israel Folau's comments on Instagram, with all the talk about religious freedom... The opposition to Christianity can be so great that we can get scared. And because of our fear, we may be tempted not to trust in God, but instead to do things our own way, where we may want to lose our distinctiveness, where we don't want to stand up for Jesus, where we just want to just blend in with everyone else. When you're in that situation, please remember David's words in Gath from Psalm 56. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust and am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? God is the refuge that we can trust when we go through times like that.
by the time I hit uni, I personally was able to overcome my fear of heights. I suppose I did the sore thing. I kept pushing myself to the point I became an adventure junkie. So right now, I love every opportunity to go up tall ladders, to go on roller coasters. On my 30th birthday, Eddie's present for me was a tandem skydiving trip. That's me there. Now, things I've never skydived before. And so on the day of the jump, I was really excited. But until we got to the height of 14,000 feet, that's over four kilometers in the air, I looked out that window. And then I got the same feeling that I had at Luna Park all those years ago. I froze. And I was thinking... I'm about to jump out of a perfectly good plane here. I'm too scared to do this. But then something dawned on me. I wasn't doing this alone. You see, there's this guy who's strapped to my back. And he's done this a hundred times before. And he knows what he's doing. Whatever we face in life... We're not alone. We've got Jesus strapped to our backs. And unlike that skydiving instructor, where there's always the possibility of the unexpected happening, with God, nothing's unexpected. He's got everything planned down to the last detail. He's in control, and that's why he's the refuge that we can trust in. And so because God's in control, and because he's all-powerful, there's no reason for us to be afraid. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and the fact that we have refuge in Jesus. We thank you it's because of Jesus that he went through us, what he went through for us on the cross that we can now be rescued from a life wracked with fear and discontentment, to be rescued to a life that you have intended for us, as well as life everlasting. Heavenly Father, we confess those times when we don't trust in you, where we let ourselves be driven by our fears. Heavenly Father, we pray that you will grow us in our faith in you, and that we'll be a people who are no longer afraid in what we face. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.